what I'm about to say. Hey. I thought you were starting. Oh. <laughs> hey, this is Shelby. And this is Courtney. And thanks for joining us today on All Things Macabre. Here on All Things Macabre, we discuss all the things under the topic of odd, weird, true crime, supernatural, and fiction. This podcast contains language and content that is not suitable for all listeners, so listener discretion is advised. If you find a topic we are discussing interesting, we encourage you to do some research on your own. You never know what you may learn. We are just a couple of old friends telling each other stories that we find interesting. And hoping that you'll enjoy and laugh along with us. Through some stories that are weird, true, or fictional that will just make you say, What the fuck? And now, for the fun part. Hey, Macabre Mob, it's Shelby. And Courtney. And welcome back to episode 13. 13. 13. Alright, so we have just pretty much spent the day together today. Mm. Not really done much. No, well, I mean, we have. We've got sushi. Got my hair cut yesterday. Yeah. Thank you, Journey. It looks awesome. It does. It looks just like the picture you said, I want this, and this is what you came out looking like. Yeah, pretty much. It looks pretty good. Speaking of which, I put my welder shirt on today, and I told you I would show you the welder's cap. Yes. So, put this on. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's dorky. <laughs> I tried to tell you. <laughs> I was not. <laughs> I was not expecting this. No, look. If you turn around the wrong way and actually put the bill in the front, you can flip it up. You know, it looks like a little kid. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of those beach caps, you know, or those bucket hats that kids usually wear, yeah. or like little kids yeah, wear. flip up the little front of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I told you it was dorky, so there you go. That's a welder's cap. That is what protects our hair from catching fire, though. <laughs> I can see how it does its job. I just I wasn't mean, expecting it's, that. It's a thick material. I think it's flame retardant as well. It is. Of course, it wears off after so many washes. And I like the pattern. I got a small head, so I got to wash them several times to make them fit my head. I you got several small different head. patterns. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Shoot. I've got a tiny head. Just because I have a tiny head doesn't mean I'm not full of knowledge. <laughs> You're full of something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about you, but you and I have been recording. This is second time recording today because yes. we're trying to be productive. Literally, every time, which of course, you know, everybody that's listening to this will hear this because you do such a great job editing with yeah, everything. I try. <laughs> but every time we try to do something or we try to record or we try to say something, something in the background happens. Either we have a kid coming out or we have a dog jumping or we have a cat screaming or, or not really screaming, but you know, like. Well, sometimes. <laughs> I think Jaden did step on. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, I think he did too. <laughs> so if you. Guys, as listeners, happen to hear anything, I'm sorry, in advance. I removed 
four of my six cats collars, and I believe two of them are, or one of them is outside. Mm-hmm. I might have removed five of the collars. I'm not sure. I still can't get over the fact that you have six cats. Well, they're amazing. They're amazing. They're all very different. People used to have like a dozen kids back in the day. <laughs> so you decided to get kids. I don't blame you. Well, I'm- yeah, it doesn't. Look, one kid is enough. I mean, I've said that... He's about to be 14, and once you hear this story today, you're going to understand. It, it's a terrifying thing just to have one kid. I'm going to stick with my story of, I'm going to keep my four-legged one over here, and that's all I'm going to do. <laughs> that's all I need. So today we're going to go back to 2011, but we're going to stick to Summerfield, Florida, which is... About an hour away from Orlando, so not too far from Sarah Boone and all that. Okay. Florida. Good old Florida. No wonder I should... I I, I love Florida, but some interesting stories come from Florida. Very interesting. Wasn't Casey Anthony... Yes, Casey, Casey Anthony, Anthony was actually very close to the same area. So we had Casey Anthony and then Sarah Boone and now this one. Mm-hmm. Which we haven't done Casey Anthony, but still. However, we are waiting on the Sarah Boone trial to come up to see how that goes. That should be January 30th, unless it gets postponed yet again. Yet again. Casey Anthony, we know how that turned out. Hot Mess Express. She came out with that new thing on Peacock. I love how you called it a thing. Yeah, it is a thing. (laughs) A lot of people are saying that it changed their opinions on her. It just confirmed my opinion on her. It, I still think she's a liar, but that's my opinion. I haven't seen it yet, so I can't give an opinion. Eh. But I I don't like her, never have. I can still find little things in there. I think they're just blatant lies. I All I can remember, whenever I think of Casey Anthony, I think of Nancy, what is her name? Nancy, is it Nancy Drew? Is, it Na- is that her name? No? The detective? Nancy Grace. Nancy Grace. Oh, my God. Thanks, Tina, for my Nancy Grace. That's what I think of as Nancy Grace popping up on my grandmother's TV. Oh. And all I see is her face popping up, and she goes, The news today on Top Mom. (laughs) 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 Oh, a little interesting tidbit I didn't realize until later on. Have you seen the show with Dr. G? Dr. Jan? Uh, I'm not going to try to even say her last name. She does a lot of autopsy shows. No. She is actually the one that did the autopsy on Kaylee. Really? Yeah, I'll have to show it to you sometime. Interesting. But anyways, as I said in my story, which would technically be last week whenever they're hearing this, you know, that you and I are getting on little themes and it seems like the theme that we're on this, I don't know, You should do the right thing. Is, yes, do the right thing and not screw people over. Yeah. And if you do, I'm not saying this will happen, but, you know, at least try to heed the warning and learn from these people's mistakes. Yes, it's, I mean, the last case we talked about, they were in their early 20s. 29 and 30. Okay, so 30. Mm-hmm. 29 and 30. So they were a little bit older, but these kids we're talking about today. They're kids. They're kids. Uh, the one that was murdered was only like 15 years old. I mean, listening to you say 15 and then, like you said, that you, you're you about to have a 14-year-old, yes. it's scary to think that even conversations that we had with him whenever I first got here on uh, Friday, yeah, thinking his mindset 
is probably around the same mindset that they have. Well, even whenever, you know, we were listening yeah, to interviews yeah. with some of these kids. You start to become a teenager, you think you're grown, and you start wanting to make adult decisions. And you don't know enough to do that yet. And that that's what these kids did. All of them. Fun fact, your brain is not fully developed until you're 25, so these kids had a long ways to go. Yes, yes, they did. Very much so. So this is the murder of Seth Jackson. It happened in Summerfield, Florida. He was born February 3rd, 1996. Courtney? February 3rd makes him an Aquarius. Aquarius are known to be... They have a sensitive side, but they're not really known for giving that sensitive side for a long time. They're very innovative, progressive. Can be a little bit hair rebellious. Um, hair being sarcastic. Um, they're really found, you know, proud of like what they do. They take their representation or their image very seriously in terms of how they present themselves to other people. And they're also known to be quite the humanitarian, supposedly. Okay. Well, he was born to Sonia and Scott Jackson. He had two brothers and he lived with them at their home. It was a decent home, I believe it was. It seemed like his parents took care of him and loved him and tried to do right with him. He was described as being kind-hearted. He dreamed of being a UFC fighter is what I've heard. Okay. Uh, he, he was a skateboarder as well. He loved skateboarding with his friends. All I can think is that Avril Lavigne song, you know? <laughs> He was a skater boy. <laughs> so see you later, boy. But, uh, yeah, he, he enjoyed four-wheeling with his family. He was an animal lover. I mean, he was a kid coming into wanting to date and all that, so he had this girlfriend. And this, this was all caused, I believe, because of a bad breakup. So that's the census I've gotten listening to the research that you've done, which is something else is a complete different tangent that, you know, I would love to get into, but I'm not today is especially around this age, the crimes that happen over relationships or boy likes girl and girl breaks up with boy goes gets with boy's best friend or something. Yeah. All the little small town, you know, or even high school drama. I mean, no matter where you go, you got yeah, high no matter drama. where, yeah. Like I had said, their brains are not completely fully de- developed. They're just doing impulses because they have almost zero impulse control at this time. Right. And this could, <laughs> could very well be an end result, which, as we've seen plenty of times, happens. Absolutely. it's There needs to be more guidance. More guidance through everyone. If these kids had a little more guidance all the time, no matter where they're at, it would help. I think. I don't know. You're more professional in that not than I am. Guidance, yes. I mean, guidance, structure. Structure. <laughs> structure is a big one. Mental health, though, plays a huge factor in this, which that's a, that, that, is, that does get brought up sometime it, in It does, story. and that's kind of where the guidance was going with that as well. I mean, of course, I'm always going to advocate for therapy because of, that's basically, I'm always in the mental health doing or i advocate for therapy all the time because you know as i just said before you know i am working on my master's to become a therapist but you know i mean it is something that is very very beneficial you and i talked about that when we did the uh, mental health hospital yes 
I don't necessarily say that everybody needs it because, you know, but I, there's things to learn from it. Even everybody think, could use it. Whenever you even think you have your life completely together, you can still just use somebody just to talk to that's unbiased. Yeah. But that is something else that seems to be a theme in the story, too, is being biased and yeah. having mixed emotions and mixed opinions. Structure is something that really probably would have been beneficial to each and every one of these I agree kids. with that. Absolutely. So we'll get started here with where it happened. It was at this trailer, this really small, and it was actually described as dilapidated trailer. It was owned by Charlie Ely. She was born July 11th, 1992. That's a cancer. You just said July 11th. I'm like, oh, that's... that's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know that one. <laughs> Call me out, why don't you? <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I kinda, I'll kind of give a brief discussion on cancers. But, I mean, we, we are not... Uh, actually, let me take this moment to get on my little soapbox for a minute. We're not no. We are known to be very emotional all the time, and you know the kind of this in the corner boohoo and crying. But we're not. We're in tune with our emotions, and we just kind of follow our gut instinct. Which I know Charlie has said she didn't. You know, really feel that she needed to be in these situations, and you know she probably looked and looked back on it. She was like, "What the fuck have I done?" Basically, you know, well had talked to me about it earlier. Again, that's kind of like, you know, her sixth sense kind of like kicking in on certain things. But I think, didn't you also tell me there's another cancer coming up eventually Yes, too? there is. It's the rise of the cancers. That's, <laughs> that's what went wrong. You know, you get too many cancers together. <laughs> she had a rough childhood. Her parents lost her whenever she was about the age of six. They lost custody of her. Um, her aunt and uncle actually took her in. She lived in Maryland. She was... Picked on all through school for her eye. She actually has one eye that kind of looks off to the side. She's actually legally blind in one eye. So it's not something she could help. Right. It's not something you can control. I, I do feel for her in terms of that. I don't feel sorry for any of these kids on what they did because oh, it was no. very wrong. But I do feel sorry for them in certain situations. Well, she got I, I'm picked empathetic. on. I mean, it's not good for anyone to get picked on. And I I think it played on to this later on because she had been picked on. She didn't want to stay in that area. And she had actually met this guy who actually was her mom's boyfriend's son. (laughs) Mom's boyfriend's son. Yeah, so she started talking to her mom's boyfriend's son. It's kind of like stepbrother but not stepbrother. Kind of, yeah. He was 21 years old. Wait a minute, how old was she? She was 18. Okay, okay. It, it was legal. However, he really seemed to like him younger because he actually got convicted of lewd and lascivious... Lascivious? lascivious? Lewd and lascivious sexual battery. It seemed that he was 21 and was designated as a sexual predator because he had sex with someone that was between the ages of 12 and 15 years old. That's what I suspected. So, it doesn't really matter to him, really. But, I mean, this girl was kind of vulnerable. She also kind of wanted to reconnect with her mother, even though, like, all of her family said it was a bad idea. Mm -hmm. So, when she turned 18... She moved to Florida, and she tried to reconnect with her mother. 
of course, she was talking to this Joseph David Burham guy, the, the son. Yes, the son. Yeah, the, so this dude that she's really, like, forming a relationship with. They actually started talking to each other through text July 13th, 2010, and they were like, all right, we're going to start dating this night. And she moved to Lakeland in August 2010. So they started dating the night that they started talking? Yes. And then she moved two months later? Is that right? Like, yeah. not even uh, no, not two not even months. two months later? To Florida, right? To Where Florida. To be with her mom. And she stayed with her mom. Okay. No, she only stayed with her mom for, like, two or three days, and she decided she just couldn't stay anymore. Okay, so where did she go? In September, she married Joseph. Even that was quick. after the conviction, it was very quick. And with that conviction, it, yeah, yeah, it's it's cut. It's a very thin line. Very, very, very thin line. They ended up finding a place to live in Ocala, and ended up finding that little trailer. Okay, so where the, everything happened. Yeah, that was that's on this where trailer. they moved into. Uh, he actually ended up violating his probation, and right. he got sent to prison. What did he do? I could not exactly find that. Okay. I looked for it, but I couldn't really find it. I'm just being nosy. But I think he was going to end up going anyway. I, I think it had something to do still with that underage girl. Okay. I, he probably may have tried to contact her or something. He may have, because I believe there was a no contact order and stuff. Uh, he wasn't set for release until September 2012. So, here she is in this totally new place. She doesn't have the relationship she was hoping with her mom. And her husband, who she barely knows, who is also a sexual predator, is locked up for the next... Two years? Yeah. Ish. Ish. So, what the fuck are you gonna do at 18? Right, you don't know anybody. You don't really know how to take care of yourself. Because she, the plan that she thought that she had didn't work out, obviously, yeah. unfortunately. Even though everyone told her, you know, you, you don't need to be going doing that. She was like, oh, well, I'm an adult. I'm gonna do what I want. I love this guy. Just because y'all don't like him doesn't mean anything. I'm gonna go marry him anyway. Which is very common. Very common. She decided to make some friends in the area. And, of course, she's this 18-year-old girl who has this trailer, and she's gonna need help with some rent money. True. Like, what is she gonna do? Yeah, true. I didn't even think about that, so yeah. she needs to get roommates. So. Or a job. Somehow or another, her husband knew Justin Soto and Mike Bargo. Justin Soto and Mike Bargo. Yes. And he said, she don't need to hang out with them. Okay, so there are no-goes. There are no-go. But she said, mm, well, um, I need help, so y'all can move in. I see this going thing with her of, like, don't do this. Okay, I'm yeah, going to go gonna do, do it do instead. Exact, yeah. So they ended up moving in, and during this time, she also developed a close friendship with Amber Wright, who I'm going to be talking about. That is who was dating Seth at okay. the time. And Amber Wright has a half-brother, Kyle Hooper, who was actually also halfway living in the trailer. He was young, so. Okay. Then the next person we're talking about is Justin Soto. He also went by Roach. Roach. He was born January 4th, 1991. So January 4th makes him a Capricorn. Yes. So to kind of give you a little backstory on them, I will be honest, they are known to be slightly mischievous troublemakers at times, <laughs> but, mm -hmm. you know, fitting. 
They are also known to be very loyal. The troublemaker part ties in with they like to be spontaneous. They don't, I mean, they're always chasing the big picture, big dream, and they have long-term goals instead of short-term goals. So therefore, there's more impulsivity. Okay. But they are really good to, you know, maintain solid relationships because of their loyalty. And they don't like to be bored. You know, they don't like to be idle. So that is something to kind of take into account. Okay, well, he went by Roach. He had only lived in the area for about six years. Can I interrupt you for a minute just just because of his nickname? Yeah. I know you've seen Friday. Yeah. Sorry, Next Friday is who I'm thinking of. Have you seen Next Friday? Yes, I've seen all So, you know, the white guy that had the skateboard and hung out with Day Day at uh-huh. Pinky's yeah. record shop. That's what his nickname was, was Roach. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I keep thinking of because all this time when we've been talking about I'm like, Roach. Roach, where do I know that name? And I'm like, that's it next Friday. <laughs> well, this guy, he's called Caucasian, but I think he might be Hawaiian. He he has a darker skin tone, so he's, he's not quite that, that look. But he actually lived in Hawaii before he lived in Florida. Okay. And like I said, he'd only been in Florida for about six years. Uh, he seems to have a previous record. I couldn't really find a whole lot on it. But during his interrogation, I know that he was saying that he was just trying to work and go home and get his life straight and get everything right. He he wasn't trying to get in any more trouble. He just had no knowledge of any of the events going on during this time. Again, like I said, spontaneity. They don't like to be yeah. bogged down. No. And very I, impulsive. I couldn't get a whole lot on him, unfortunately. The next one is Kyle Hooper. He was born 7-19-1994. That'd be July 19th, 94. He is also a cancer. I was going to say also a fellow cancer. Very intuitive, as I said. You know, we kind of go off of our senses. We can be hot-headed at times. We can be involved in our emotions at times. But when we get them under control, we're good. We are faithful. You know, people don't think that we are, but we are. <laughs> if we like you, we are. Well, but also, you know, we also could be known to be closed off and timid at times because we still got to fill you out. Okay. He is the half-brother of Amber Wright. I was going to say, isn't he Amber's brother? Yes. Uh, he was actually dating a girl that he really loved and really cared about. And one day he went to go see her at her house. And he actually caught her and Seth Jackson in bed, seeing it, like, through her window. Oh, the plot yes. thickens. It broke his heart. Bless he, his heart. He used to be really good friends with Seth. They used to go hang out at his house. He ended up being the quote-unquote weak link in the situation. That's mean. Yes. But he is is the only one, I believe, that was remorseful about the situation. He was the one who ended up, during the interrogation, finally breaking down. He also, before any of this happened, he actually told his mom that he witnessed the death of Seth. Really? He didn't tell her the full details. He confessed somewhat. But he said that he witnessed it, and she ended up calling the police on him. So that's what started all of this. That's what started it. Oh, okay. I missed that part. And the reason that he was staying at Charlie's house quite a bit, he didn't really get along with his biological father. Okay. So, he, I believe he was living with him. So, do you know, did Amber and him have the same mom or same dad? I believe they had the same mom. Same mom. Okay. But he didn't really get along with his biological father, so he ended up calling his stepfather 
James, which we will talk about him in a few minutes. Okay. Uh, he ended up calling him to get him to take him over to Charlie's house to hang out and chill out and all that. So uh, it was a really common thing for him to be there. It was just kind of like a somewhat type of getaway for him temporarily, I'm assuming. Kind of. But I, I do think he pretty much was living there for the most part. Okay. They all talked in the interrogation like he was living there and recently had moved in. Okay. So that leads to Amber Wright. She was born March 29th, 1996. So she was an Aries. She was an Aries. Aries are fire signs. Um, You know, they're with the fellow Leos and Sagittariuses. So they're very... Fire signs are known to kind of have a little bit of spontaneity, too. They don't like to be bogged down either. Kind of something similar, you know. That makes sense. But they're also very passionate, motivated people. And they're also known to be leaders, very confident leaders. They take that everything that they do me. seriously. And once they set their mind to something, they're determined to do it. Wow. Okay. Well, she is the one that dated Seth Jackson. Oh. <laughs> she dated him for about three months and filled all of their time spending it all together, getting high, having lots of sex, you know. All the things that they really shouldn't have been doing That's at that age. Okay. At the age of fucking 15. 15. 15. And I believe Seth might have been 14 at the time. but They're kids. Yeah, they are kids. And they are kids. And they're getting high and having sex. Thank you for repeating that because I was about to stop you. I'm going to say, make sure I heard this correctly. And she was basically spending all of her time with him. I don't know... Actually, I do know about you. Me and you, neither one could do that. (laughs) Any of it. No. Oh, God, no. No, I would Mm -mm. be dead. Could you imagine going to one of your your house, especially, smelling like weed? Could you imagine? My grandparents would have shit a brick. (laughs) And then hit me in the head with it. (laughs) I'm pretty sure. I would just, I wouldn't be here to be. No. No. Especially if my mom found out that I was having sex or getting high at, what'd you say, 15? 15? Shit. What was I even doing at 15? Uh, marching in band camp. Okay, so, see, we, we, (laughs) okay, I was like, what was I even doing then? But see, that tells you. I was a good kid for the most part. We, we both were, really. But the relationship seemed to be toxic. Okay. Now, there's very conflicting stories here. Amber Wright is saying that Seth has thrown her into walls. He is abusive to her. He calls her a whore all the time. And all kinds of other stuff. And that's what led to the breakup. I don't really know. His mom, obviously his mom, says that he would never be that kind of person. That he really cared about her. And I do believe he cared about her. But... Man, there's stuff I don't know about my kid. True. He hides stuff from me, and I may never know. You're very right, because, I mean, they had to figure out who they are themselves, so they are going to test the orders, because I know there's things that you wouldn't tell your mom or your grandparents that you did. No. And, I mean, you would take a shit to your grave, because you're not going to tell them some of these things. Where, I mean, they very well are doing that, because, I mean, in a way, it's kind of just, it's normal at that age, as much as that's going to sound terrible. For you to test the waters and do things, but I mean, I'm not saying go to this extreme. No, no, no. But in the same sentence that I say that, what 15, 16 year old wouldn't do it if they had the accessibility to do it? Yeah. 
Yeah, that's that's where part of this is a problem because Charlie is 18 years old with a trailer providing these underage kids a place to hang out. Which they kind of turned her house into like a party house. Basically, in a way to kind of they, they pretty much just whatever. used her. So that, that takes care of most of them. That takes care of her roommate, Roach. That takes care of her roommate, Kyle Hooper, herself. That takes care of Amber Wright, who is usually there to hang out with her and her brother, of course. Did she ever bring Seth over there? I know he knew where it was. I don't know if he had actually been over there or not. Okay. Because part of it was there's one more roommate. The other one I mentioned that Charlie's husband said not to hang out with. Mm-hmm. And that's Michael Bargo. The second that you showed me his video or like his pictures <laughs> and everything, I said, who the hell does he think that he is? I mean, I I don't, I will be completely honest. This is my podcast or, you know, our podcast and I can say what, frankly, yeah. whatever the fuck I want. But <laughs> if people don't like us, they can turn us off or skip this area. <laughs> he, to me, is a douchebag. He is. He is a cocky little douchebag. He tries to be very confident about himself and try to be like, I am the man. I did all this and that. And it's kind of like Oh no, he tries to play innocent little misunderstood victim all the time. Like, oh, I didn't do that. No, I was just helping him out. I'm just kind of talking about like his body language. I'll throw some of this in there in the podcast. Y'all have got to hear some of it. But Michael Bargo, he was born April 29th, 1992. He was a Taurus. He was a Taurus. So, Tauruses, Taurusi, Tauruses. <laughs> Taurusi. <laughs> it's kind of like the emu emi. <laughs> <laughs> they are known to be loyal. They are, they also are known to prioritize consistency. They want you to be consistent and reliable. Because that's kind of like what it takes for them to, more or less, see if you got what it takes to be with them. Does that make, what, make sense to you? Yeah, I get that. They also may known to be a tad bit stubborn, but sometimes that reputation of being stubborn to them is them just being passionate about something. They, what they find it, you know, they set their mind on it. And they're like, well, I'm going to do this because I care really about you about um, a lot about it. Where therefore other people look at it as they're just being stubborn and bullheaded and not listening, which is kind of funny because, you know, the Taurus is a, is a bull. Yeah. <laughs> but they are very dependable people. And they try to soothe out, you know, smooth out issues with other people because, like I said, they look for trustworthiness and devotion to them and reliability. Well, he was actually known to his friends to be cool guy, the the level headed one, or whatever. At least that's how he tried to portray himself. He tried to say that he was grounded, right? Yeah, absolutely. But he had a real fucked up childhood too. Okay, I ain't gonna lie. His mom, Tracy O'Brien, married Michael Bargo Sr. at 18. And shortly after that, she got pregnant with Mike Mm -hmm. Jr., Mm -hmm. the one we're talking about. She lived in Florida for about six or seven years, was married for about 15, but her family was from Michigan. Okay. He was a big drinker. Mike Sr. Mike Sr. And he would be angry and explode for no reason over little things whenever he would drink. Like, he would work just whenever he wanted to. He would do pressure cleaning. Pressure cleaning, like take up a pressure washer on things? Yeah. That was his job? That was his job. He had his own business with it. 
I'm going to bite my tongue and keep my mouth shut. Okay. So he didn't have normal hours. Mm. So he... He worked when he wanted to. He was in control of everything. So yes. he could come home whenever he wanted to. He could do what he wanted to. Drink when he wanted to. Yes. And if she didn't follow those rules or those regulations that he had set for her, it's whenever he became very angry and explosive. Am I wrong? Well, I mean, it would be anything. Anything that would set him off. But that's pretty much it. I mean, he would come home late at night usually drinking and angry, and he would throw his dinner across the room if it wasn't warm. I know the type. Yeah, so he's, you know, a whole asshole here. Once he was at the bar and she knew he was there, he needed to come home. You know, they got a fucking kid together. Mm -hmm. So she walked in, she, you know, put Mike Jr. in the car seat. He was less than a year old. Drove over to the bar knowing he was there, and yeah, he was there with his mom. His mom? Yeah, with his mom. She ain't a lot better. She went in and said something to him. She doesn't remember what it was she said. But she said something to him. I'm sure something smart ass. Right. Like, we got a whole ass kid at home. Yeah. Get off your ass and come the fuck home. Do something right. So, he ended up following her out to the car and punched the back window out. Holy shit. And keep in mind, Mike Jr.'s in the car seat, not even a year fucking old. Oh my god. He's covered in fucking glass, because he's in the back. Trauma. Yeah. So, I mean, it's already fucked up. Wow. Okay. Of course, his dad was always more of a friend than a father. He never blamed Michael Jr. for anything that he did wrong. He would never punish him. It was always his mom that was having to step up and be like, hey, you know, you can't do that. You're in timeout. She was basically parenting him and his dad. Basically. Basically, it was her parenting him and the dad undoing it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's basically it. And she was asked on the stand if she had ever hit him. And, you know, anything like that. She admitted to spanking him, but only on the butt, never hard enough to leave a mark. Other than that, it was time out. She struck him in the face one time whenever, I believe, he was a teenager. She said he was, I want to say, I want to say 15. I want to say it was somewhere close to there. So, I mean, I'm not going to say that's necessarily abuse. I mean, I've been struck in the face by my mom and my dad, and I'm not going to say I didn't deserve the one by my mom. Right. I mean, honestly, you shouldn't call your mom a bitch. <laughs> yeah, I deserve that, that one. That'll do it. I'll, I'll give her that one. But, of course, you also know I kind of grew up with my parents arguing after their divorce. Mm-hmm. My dad blamed my mom for everything, and I caught all of that. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is how Michael grew up. I see that. I do. So, of course, she's the one that, that's showing him that she cares and is trying to get him to be this better person and grow up right. The dad's not doing anything to help. So, one day, after they divorce or whatever, Mike Jr.'s over at his dad's house. And she stopped by the house and saw Tracy is a whore in chalk on the driveway. Oh, okay. So, of course, she went and knocked on the door and asked if Little Mike Jr. was home, and he wasn't. And she was like, well, I mean, do you know about this? And he just started laughing about it. And was like, well, I'll talk to him. Of course he did. Yeah. Oh, my God. He would encourage behavior like that. And one time he even bought him a cell phone that he would use to just get his dad to come pick him up whenever he wanted to when he was with his mom. 
So whenever mom would piss him off by putting parameters down and telling him what he needed to do, he would say, fuck you, mom. I'm going to go be with yes. dad and dad's going to let me do whatever the hell I want. Exactly. To. Now, sometimes he would even call her voicemail and fill it up just calling her a slut. Like this kid was ridiculous to her. I mean, I can't promote ass whoopings, but. Well, he needed a good ass whooping. That's not, we sound so country. A good old ass whooping. <laughs> Sorry, he needed a spanking. Mm, he needed a good ass whooping. <laughs> In his teenage years, he would explode over little things like not getting, not getting yep, not getting to go with her if she went out. Not getting this, not getting that. His father moved to Florida. And he lived with his mom, and once he just ran out of the house for no reason and laid in the middle of the street. He was about 14 or 15. So, he's showing... Attention-seeking behaviors. Definite problems. I tell, definite problems. I tell a lot of my pro- uh, my problems. <laughs> <laughs> I tell a lot of the parents that I worked with before, you know, I got my new position. That, you know, because they would be like, well, why does little Johnny just do this whenever, you know, I try to get onto him? Or, I notice that when I'm doing this, a little Johnny does that. And I have to tell my parents a lot that I talk to is that negative attention is better than no attention at all. Yeah. And so, therefore, I didn't get my way because mom told me that I couldn't go to the store with her. So, I'm going to say, well, fuck this. I'm going to go lay in the street and mom's going to have to give me attention. Because she's going to have, she doesn't want me to get ran over. That's pretty much it. And I still get that attention that I would have gotten while I went to the store. But since she told me that I couldn't, I still got what I wanted by going and laying in the middle of the road. Yeah. Well, Sorry. For no, mine. you're fine. <laughs> he was actually diagnosed with ADD in about fourth or fifth grade. Okay. So that kind of helps you understand it a little bit more. In terms of impulsivity, yes. Yeah. And she really wanted to try to help him. And she went. She wanted to get the right medication for him. She knew that it wouldn't. it would take more than just talking. It would take some medication to help. Yes. But his dad would encourage him not to take it. Which is very dangerous. It's very dangerous. So, I mean, Mike Jr. would would hear his parents fighting over the medicine and stuff. And, of course, he would side with Dad, which is what I used to do, even though it was completely the wrong choice. Which, at the time, you're a kid and you're just kind of You don't realize You don't realize what you're doing. You're just more or less trying to go for the one that's going to let you have your way. Because, again, you are a kid. Yeah, of course, you want your way. Right. But your way is not necessarily the right way. And it's not what you necessarily need, either. Yeah, no, this this father of his actually contacted Child Services several times to try to get Mike Jr. taken away from her. So what did he do, just call and make up shit? Yeah, like, they had gone and investigated so much that... They finally got to the point, they said, if you call again, we're going to charge you with filing false complaints. I've seen that happen, actually. Have you? I've actually had other parents call on the other parent to be like, well, so-and-so is, you know... It just makes you look bad. Eventually, you know, when it finally is proven that, but it for, just really for a moment, makes you look bad. for a moment though, that other person is getting off on it because they're still getting to witness that other parent go through. They're that putting them hell. through hell, yes. Because I mean, look, I don't care if you're hiding something or not. You don't want anybody coming through your house nitpicking what you do with your kids. No, I mm-hmm. mean, I know 
hell, I've got someone who works with stuff like that. Mm-hmm. She's been to my house. I know I have nothing to worry about. No. But I still don't want someone that I don't know coming and going through my stuff. And that's what I used to tell my class because I used to go to their homes, you know, to do a lot. I, yeah, I still do. You don't want and to do I, I'm up, I'm up honest. I'm upfront and honest with them and tell them, I get it. Because at the time, I had to go to their homes like three days a week. That's a lot. Three days. Three, it, it I was is. there for three hours at your house, technically. That's a lot. And, you know, by that point, for three days a week, for up to six to seven, almost time, you know, six to seven months, almost a year, I'm in your home that many times. I'm basically becoming your family member. Yeah. You know, I'm just the random aunt that comes over and tells you how to live your life, you know. but you Which know. nobody likes anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but it... It's a lot because God forbid you're sick that day. Then you're like, well, fuck. Courtney's got to come over today to go do this, you know? And yeah. It does get tiring. I I get it. So, I mean, yeah, he was putting her through hell. Absolutely was. And he was enjoying it, I'm sure. But, of course, karma came around. He got diagnosed with lupus. <laughs> I so. lo- I'm not laughing at the fact that he got lupus. Let me make that clear. I'm... Laughing at the fact that you said that karma comes around and he well, got lupus. I believe in karma. Petty as fuck, for one. Well, but I'm for petty, two, so I mean, it fits me. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> My supervisor tells me all the time I'm petty as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so see, but I mean, I I get what you're saying, but again, I'm making that clear. I'm not laughing about lupus because lupus is something very serious. But yeah, yeah. Uh, well, because of the lupus, he had to quit drinking. Oh. oh, was it induced by the drinking? I don't know if it was induced by it, but he did have to quit drinking. Surprised he didn't get cirrhosis of the liver, but you and know, I'm well. not a medical professional. Well, he ended up starting to take Vicodin for his lupus. Oh, so we were to replace one vice with another. Of course, he was overdoing it to the point of becoming intoxicated. So he just replaced the alcohol with him. He just That's got a new vice. Not what we're supposed to do. No. He actually ended up not paying child support because of the lupus, and he also lived with his own mom. So, you remember mom at the bar? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he ended up moving in with her after all that shit went down with okay. the divorce. So, he moved back in with mom, said he wasn't paying child support, has lupus. Yeah. And, um, uh, so, completely, like, more or less lost a lot of stuff, and... Yeah, and she wasn't going to be getting the child support because now he's on disability. Okay. Uh, He can't have a job or whatever. So it it just goes on and on. So they made his mom get on the stand to kind of testify. And that's where I got a lot of this information about Mm -hmm. his childhood. And one of the things that I found really heartbreaking because I listened. I don't remember what it was I listened to, but I listened to a podcast on this. And it really made it seem like Mike Bargo's mom abandoned him. Okay. And after really listening to her testimony, it hurt me to know that that anyone would think that. Because I feel like she was a very loving mom who did her very best and really tried with all odds against her. I was going to say, I listened to her you know, testimony and I didn't get that impression that, he le- no. that she left him or no. abandoned him. So, I want to be sure to include this. One time, he was supposed to be with his mom for the weekend. And, of course, he wanted to stay with his dad. So, he could get his way. Of course. So, he ran and he climbed up a tree and he stayed there for a couple hours, refusing to get down. Do you know how stressful that is on a parent? Do you know how much that hurts? Like, ugh. 
Another time, he jumped out of the car at a stop sign, and for a couple of miles, she just followed him with the car. Because he refused to get in the car, right? Yeah, he refused to get back in the car. So she ended up having to call the police. That's the only thing she could know to do. Right. Because, I mean, what else are you going to do? He won't get in the car. I'm sure her mind was racing on what happens if he gets ran over. What if I get in a wreck because I'm distracted, you know, trying to get him into this car? Which are things that he's not thinking about. No. Because, again, he's thinking, I'm still getting that attention because what negative attention is better than no I do this and I'm going to get my way and get to go to dad's. Exactly. Because she's going to get tired of it. He's and then I'll get what I want. His ass is gonna land up in juvia's where the fuck is yeah. gonna end up. Well, actually, the one the first time that he ever got into trouble with the law, he and his mom had had an argument, and the cops were called by one of them. She wasn't sure which, but he was mad that he had to be with her. He hit her with the phone while he like hung it up or whatever, and he would not calm down. He hit his mom. Yeah, with, with, the, phone? with the phone. Yeah, I don't know if it was completely on purpose or not. Yeah. But it Regardless, led to him, more him. of an argument. Mm-hmm. So it got more heated. So when the cops got there, he just was giving them a hard time. They were just there to talk to them and calm the situation down. Yeah. And he gave them such a hard time that he ended up getting taken by them. He got arrested. It'll do, yeah. that'll do it. He just wouldn't stop. He even went to boot camp for a year. And it looked like it was really hard for her to talk about this, because I don't think she was shooting for necessarily a boot camp. She wanted more help with counseling. Kind of like whatever I did with my old job, because that was something... Because I would come in before, like, something like that happened to where they would have to go to juvie, or they would have to go to... Because I did have some kids that would go to boot camps like that. And It's mainly focused on counseling and behavior modification. Behavior modification is what I did, and I That's would work along with their counselor. That's what it seems to be. Yeah. That's what it seems to be. They call it a boot camp, but that's what it seems to be. It seems to be more focused on counseling and behavioral modification. He may have been sent off to an, inst- I mean, a facility. She named it, but I don't remember what it was. I didn't get it in my notes because I couldn't hear it clear enough. I'm going to say it's something like a facility. I think it is. But long story short, Mike ended up moving down and living with his father. In Florida, right? In Florida. She would call, I think this was for like three years going on, so... I would say shortly after 15 or 16, he ended up moving down there. And she would call constantly and just ask how he was doing, make sure he's okay, and all this other stuff. And every time, the father would be like, oh, he doesn't want to talk to you. Yeah, he's fine. He's doing great. She would ask about his grades and school and all this other stuff. And he would just lie. I'm sure dad didn't make him go to school if he didn't want to. No. He ended up dropping out of school. And I'm sure he didn't take his medication either. Oh, no, of course not. In fact, he dropped out of school. He was using drugs. Oh. And he was drinking heavily. Oh. She was under the understanding that everything was great, and he just didn't want to talk to her. Wow. She tried several times to contact him within those three years and had no idea that anything was wrong, that any of this had happened. That's really severe. And unfortunate. Yes. I mean, it happens. It it does happen. And again, I'm not saying that anything that they did, or I mean, the things that they did to the victim was not okay. No, it was not. I'm just saying that it's unfortunate these kids went through what they went through prior to this. And I'm not saying that because of what they experienced justifies what they did by any means necessary. But it's more or less just me being empathetic for them, you know, as kids and having to experience that. If these kids 
could have gotten together as a group with the right help, I think it would have turned out as a totally different group of friends. Oh, for sure. But instead, I feel like all of their issues fueled each other's fires. I definitely agree. It just became very toxic. They're a bunch of misfit kids that have an ounce of freedom with no A lot of them have a lot of freedom. For them to be able to do, for them to be able to do whatever they wanted to, you know, as a kid would love to be able to do at that age. And so they're going to do whatever they want to do. Well, it seems to be at this house that they were staying at at Charlie's, they were smoking a lot of weed. It looks like they might have been doing some pills. I don't know if maybe they were Vicodin or something. Okay. But they were doing some pills, smoking weed, and supposedly there was some meth going around between Amber Wright and Kyle Hooper. I'm not 100% sure on that. We'll get into that a little bit later. Okay. So the last person that is really included in all this is James Haven III. This is the stepfather of the kids. Of Amber. Of Amber and Kyle. And Kyle. This poor guy, he, he just takes place in the story. Wasn't he the one that was deci- again that you told me was de- determined incompetent? Yes, to testify. He he actually was considered to be incompetent to stand trial. I think that he ended up kind of getting dragged into this because he didn't have a full understanding of everything. Okay, I don't know if he has limitations on his own or if it is drug induced. Cognitive delays, or do you? It think seems it- to be. I know you saw a little bit of him on the stand, and he seems to have trouble processing. Yes, because I know whenever they asked him that question, it was a minute before he was said anything. So I looked at you and I said, is he going to answer them? Yeah, and that's whenever I had to tell you he ended up being considered incompetent. He ended up getting 30 years for accessory for this murder after the fact. He was 37 at the time, which makes him the oldest. I did not find his birthday. Okay. But I really feel like this guy just got into it wrong. Wrong like, place, wrong time. And yeah, really he was trying to help his kids. He didn't really understand everything going on. And they probably knew that. And they, they probably did. The, the guy ended up actually getting his sentence deferred. And I believe he got it deferred into a mental institution. Okay. So he didn't get away with it by any means. But, yes. But I do think he ended it's up getting It's far better help. than being in prison because, like you said... Well, you know, I don't know. I've heard it's worse. But I'm glad he's getting help because he's not going to get the same help in prison. I feel like, yes. Uh, For him, yes. I feel like it's a much better position. Yes, I agree. All right. So now you kind of got a little history of who all's there and that it's not really the best situation. Mm-hmm. You know that... Amber Wright dated Seth Jackson. Yes. So, going off what the investigators end up knowing at first, they don't really know a whole lot about the history of the backstory of it. They just know that somehow this kid ended up dead. So, originally, investigators ask how Seth got involved with them, how he ended up in that area. And Amber says... That she had been talking to Seth because he had called her a couple days ago. So she called him back and he wanted to meet up with her. So she said she didn't feel comfortable going alone. She was going to take Charlie with her and meet at this street sign or whatever. Okay. And then that's the last they ever saw him. That was what they said. That's what they said. Justin Soto said he was not even there that night. 
he was off somewhere else and came home and went straight to bed, had no idea anything went on. Okay. It's already starting to fall apart whenever they start getting to Kyle. Okay. (laughs) So now we figure out, Seth actually came to the house, Charlie's house. The neighbor happened to see Seth coming out of the door, or a, a man, a boy coming out of the door, with three other guys following him and dragging him back in. Holy shit. The neighbor just assumed there was probably some kids roughhousing during a party or oh, something. Oh, so you mean kind of like what last week's story was of just Yeah, just let's, it's not my business, I'm not going to stick my nose Moral in Moral of that story, too, is if you see something, say something. If you remotely think somebody is in trouble, you could be saving that person's life. Just Even do it. if you are disturbing the drama or being nosy. They, you may temporarily piss those people off, but you could or be you saving could that save person. someone's life. So continue. Sorry, I, I, take I that mean, moment. I would rather piss off people than end up letting people die. I can. I, I completely agree. So once this story starts to hit, they start trying to come up with this and that. So Seth is there, and Kyle comes out with like this wooden axe handle or something. Not not the axe, just like the wooden the stick. Yeah. Those are thick. And I guess he's mad at Seth because he fucked his girl. Right. So, and not only that, Amber's been talking about how she's been thrown into walls and stuff. He's been abusive. So, he's mad. That's his sister. Mm -hmm. Half-sister or not, that's his sister. That's his sister. He walks up while Seth is, for some reason, in the recliner and hits him in the head or something. And then Mike comes barging out of his room, and Charlie and Amber, they take off, and they go hide in the room. So they shag ass because they don't want to be witnessing to this thing. Well, supposedly they're scared because Mike Bargo comes rushing out with a gun. I would take off running, too. Well, at first, I'm sorry, at first they say they don't even see Mike Bargo. But they hear gunshots. After they get in the room, they hear gunshots, and it's like eight gunshots or some shit. That's a lot. It's a lot. And then they're scared for their life. So they say. Okay. So they say. So they end up falling asleep. What? I don't know what it is with this Florida and falling asleep during serious situations. I was just about to say that. I thought Sarah Boone as soon as they said that. But, I mean, that was quickly debunked, obviously. But supposedly in the first story, they fell asleep. And then they woke up the next morning and the house had smelled of bleach and it was all clean. And that, that was it. That was it. Yeah, no questions, no nothing. Clearly, that wasn't the true story either. Also, what is with these stories recently of, I do this horrible, horrendous thing, but my cover-up story is asshole, which is a good reason, because at least I'm getting caught. Oh, yeah, they always get caught. You know, it's just like, what were you thinking whenever you said this thing? This kid got shot eight times, and I heard it, but I decided to take a nap and go to sleep afterwards. mm, Thank you. So I don't I don't understand any of this. I'm just like whatever. So I feel like there's more to it. And finally it comes out what happened. And I'll save you the trouble of the 3 hours of interrogation. I think I am going to put some of it in there because I do want y'all to hear how the story changed, but the story changed. And the end story <clears throat> is this. This guy comes over and starts playing guitar. Mike Bargo comes out, and he starts talking about how he wants to kill someone. He has just snorted a line of pills or something. He's high on pills. 
And he just wants to fucking kill someone. He wants to kill Seth Jackson. Because now, he and Amber are a thing. He and... Amber, right. Yes, yes. The one that was dating Seth. Yes. That's right. supposedly, Seth found Amber and Mike in bed. Okay. Mike said that they never had sex. They never were a thing. So who said they... they, they, Well, Amber eventually said that they had sex, but never said they were in a relationship. But they had sex casually a couple times. Why are these kids having sex casually? I don't know. I was going to ask that. It it blows my mind. Shouldn't they be having boyfriends at this time? No, they really shouldn't. But he decides he wants to kill this kid. And their plan is to get Seth to come over to Charlie's house. So they're out there where there's not really a whole lot a whole lot of witnesses or anything. Because mm-hmm. that's right, because she lives in the country. Charlie does, right? Yeah, she lives out there. She's got this little shitty trailer. And no one, everyone's expecting kids to party there and be stupid. Mm-hmm. So no one's going to really expect anything. So the plan is, hey, Amber, I need you to text Seth and get him to come out here. And she's like, oh, I'm not going to do that, no. Well, I-, I want you to get him to come out here so we can kill him. At this point, everyone, Kyle, Justin, Amber, Charlie, Mike, they're all out there together. And they're talking about this. And they're all kind of agreeing to it. That's what I want to know. When in your mind, if somebody looks at you and says, how about you invite old Joe over here because I want to kill him? And when does everybody just congregate and be like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea for us to go kill Joe. It's these kids drinking and getting high. They're kids making adult decisions, doing adult things. True. And they shouldn't be. True. Again, frontal lobe not fully developed. Yeah. No. It's absolutely impulse control, and then you add all that into it. Yeah. So finally, she agrees to it, and Amber texts Seth and says, "Hey, I want to make up with you. Won't you come over, and you know we can talk?" And he's like, "Oh, okay. You want to make up? Cool. I I don't know. There, are you gonna have me jumped? If you have me jumped, I'll never talk to you again." He's like, "Oh no, I would never do that to you." I want, I want to fix things or whatever. He fucking knew. And his friends that he was with at the time he was texting about it even said that he had an odd feeling about it. And they said, don't do not do it. Don't go. Right. Your gut is telling you not to go. And he said that he was just going to go home. But clearly. He went instead. He cared about this girl. He wanted to make it work. And she used that to her advantage. Yes. To lure him Manipulative. Ugh. <sighs> So it, too, was premeditated, just kind of like the story I had told last week. Yes. Yes. So he comes up there, and they get him in the house. They throw him into the recliner and start beating him. Kyle hits him with that piece of wood. Justin hits him with another piece of wood or something. And then Mike Barger comes and starts beating the shit out of him and shoots him a couple times. He's still alive in the recliner. They shot him. He starts talking shit to him and just continues to talk shit to him until he got bored and then killed him. Until he got bored. And then shot him a few more times and killed him. Alright, so then he takes him, him and Justin and Kyle, take him to the bathroom, to the bathtub. And they try to fold him up and like hog tie him basically. Okay. So they end up breaking his kneecaps. Supposedly it's Mike Bargo. Breaks his kneecaps, and they put him in this blue sleeping bag. 
So I give him in his blue sleeping bag, and I believe it's all of them, took him out to this fire that they were starting, and they put like a, a rubber tire or something on it to get the fire hotter. But they took him out to this fire, and they lit it, and they were planning on burning him to ashes. Which takes a very long time. It takes time. a very long time, but this is at night, and it is going overnight, and they do have a rubber tire on it. So again, they put some thought into they it. They did put some thought into it, and Justin Soto, I believe, stayed out by the fire all night, or it was Mike Bargo one, but maybe Mike Bargo stayed out by the fire all night. One of them stayed out by the fire. To make sure that it was still going and it was at the right temperature to make him... The next oh morning, God. whenever it was pretty much ash, Mike Bargo gets a pair of pliers and he goes and pulls all the teeth out of the skull. What? Yes, because, well, you can identify by teeth. Yes, yes. So he pulls all the teeth out. And then they take five-gallon paint buckets and put his bones and ashes into five-gallon paint buckets. The process that it took the and to think to do all of this and just to just be just to do it over spiteful bullshit that really is just childish shit of, yes. of he slept with my girlfriend and he hurt my feelings you know so i'm gonna go kill him well there's a lot of it just just wait it gets better so this is where james haven comes in the stepfather mm-hmm. so they call him and they ask him if they will give I believe it was Mike, Kyle, and maybe maybe Justin. I'm not for sure, though. At least Mike and Kyle goes to this quarry with the paint buckets and cinder blocks. And I believe a rope that they tied. They had a dog leash. A dog leash, that's right. They go to this quarry, and they take the buckets, and they throw them over into the quarry. And, of course, they're plastic buckets, so they float. They don't think that through, but they have cinder blocks in them, you know. But yeah, they still float. So whenever they did find out about it, they were very easy to find. So at this point, they go on back home and Mike Bargo decides he's taking the fuck off. The heat's about to come on, so he's He's gone. He's got to get the fuck out of there. So he calls up this girlfriend that he has. I don't know how many girls he's dating at the same time, but it seems to be about a dozen. Okay. And he ends up getting the hell out of there and staying with his girlfriend. I want to say it was a couple hours away. I don't remember her name, but I know it was with James Williams and Crystal Anderson, his live-in girlfriend. Okay. I'll get to them a little bit more in a minute. Okay. I told you this has a few more things to it. Yes. One of the things is, and I don't mean this to come off as victim-blaming in any way, but this goes to show how childish this shit is. And how adult they were trying to be. This is what you and I were talking about earlier. And I said it needed to have been recorded because I forgot what I said to you now. Well, Seth Jackson comes off as of right now a pretty decent kid, right? Yeah. I thought so too. Whenever I was reading the shit. And then I saw this episode of uh, Killer Post. And it had them. And it it happened to be... Right after I watched the interrogations on YouTube. I had no idea I was about to go to bed. I just cut something on. It was that. And I started watching it. it. And I was like, well, that's weird. That's the same name of the kid I was just listening about. And then another name matched. And then I heard it some more. And I was like, well, why in the fuck is Seth Jackson riding his bike out to see Mike Bargo and threatening him? I didn't hear shit about that. What is this? So... That's when I decided to do this story. Okay. 
Because there's more. Spill the tea. So Seth, Seth Jackson may have been a great kid, but he had his dark side too. Maybe his mom didn't know, but that shit's out there now. Yeah, yeah. It's really out there now. He starts out March 2nd on his Facebook talking about, Damn, I already miss my baby. Love you, Amber. So that's whenever they were dating. He's chilling at the house with Kyle and Amber, bored as shit. That was March 14th. And then all of a sudden, he takes a drastic fucking turn on March 23rd. I had a whole fucking different opinion on him after I saw this. After this part. After this part. This is his post verbatim, not my words whatsoever. Well... I do abbreviate oh, one so word. You, you edit it. I, yeah, with my own because I don't feel comfortable saying it. I don't think anyone should say it. And we don't want it. to be offensive. No. Seth Jackson says, Hell no, nah, it ain't. Fuck him. Hard R. We going to shoot them all one day, and we just going to hang them all like the good old days. Yeah, I said it on Facebook. Fuck. Hard R. Go back to where you, what you were doing, picking cotton. What the fuck are you thinking? He's not. He's not. Like, what the fuck? So, I already, this, my whole opinion changed to this kid immediately with that. I I get it. Yeah, because I I had to take a deep breath for a minute. Because, (laughs) And then on March 30th, this is supposedly after he caught Amber and Mike in bed, he posts, have her Mike Fago, bitch boy. Okay, now you're instigating shit. Yes. Again, I'm not victim blaming. They should not have killed him. It's just simple facts of what had happened. But he also shouldn't have acted on. Then he starts posting attacking Amber. Okay. He starts saying, hello everybody. My name is Amber Wright. I smoke meth every day. I love the stuff. It makes me jizz in my pants. AKA, I'm a slut. Okay. Okay, very childish, but again... Very childish. We're, what, 15? 14, 14, I believe. About to be 15 at this time. Okay, so we think we're grown. Somewhere in there, 14, 15. Uh, people call him out on that, and he's like, I don't care. People are like, that's fucked up. It is fucked up. Hell yeah, but whatever, she's a slut, though. Like, this kid is just... What is he thinking? He's not. So then, I guess one of Seth's friends chimes in. And he's like, hey, look, y'all, my dog don't give a fuck about that bitch. And that faggot dude Mike she with need to quit being a little scared little bitch and fight. So now I'm starting to see that they're trying to fight Mike Bargo. So they, I'm not necessarily saying initiated it, but... Yeah, they're they're instigating it a lot, though. And then Seth chimes in, oh, that's my dog, bro. Shit, it's going down Friday if he wants it or not. That's a threat. That is a threat. It just keeps going on and on. It, it's very vulgar. Talking about how this... They call him 19, but talking... He's 18. Mm-hmm. But talking about how this 19-year-old kid is softer than a motherfucker and gonna get whooped by my bro who's only 14. I mean, 15. Like, he even messes up the age, so... So, he goes on and on. Say, uh, Seth says, This bitch is dumb as fuck. He can't fight. Talking about how he thinks someone's son can whoop his pussy ass and all this. It's getting very vulgar. So, then Amber Wright decides to step in, finally, publicly on Facebook. And she says, See, just like I said, Seth, stop being childish. 
And how the fuck did I cheat on you the whole time when I was pretty much living with you when we were together? I was with you 24 fucking 7, so stop talking shit. That's all you know how to do is get drama started, and how am I a hoe? What, because I dumped you because I got fed up with you throwing me into walls? I was tired of you calling me a cunt and whore every day. I got tired of you treating me like I was nothing. If you're so fucking perfect, why don't you get over the jealousy and have yourself a new girl you can fucking hurt? Because I'm sure enough done. Oh, and about the cheating thing, you're the one that fucking cheated on me with the girl the whole time and didn't say anything till three fucking months later. You know I fucking care deeply about you. I stuck with you through a lot of shit, but now you want to sit here and talk trash to people that don't know me? And the funny thing is, you know I'm not a fucking hoe, but you continuously have something new to say about me. But it's all good. Run your mouth all you want, because I know I'm ten times better than you. It takes a real man to accept the fact that he got broke up with. But it's obvious here that you're not being a man about the situation. You're being a little kid about it. And I'm not talking shit. I'm speaking the truth, and you know it just as much as I do. How do you feel about that? I mean, she handled it very maturely. I thought so, too. I necessarily can't say that I disagree with her or I don't believe her because, of course, we wasn't there to see if he pushed her in a wall or not. But the way that she's handling it, you know, it's in a very mature manner to be that age. I mean, she's not trying to stoop to his level. She's just kind of like, you know, just own your shit and just move on and stop trying to stop drama. This is why I left you necessarily. But, I mean, again, the way I look at it, everybody's wrong in this, including the victim, because he enticed them, you know. Yes, absolutely. You know, continued to ag it on. But, again, I'm not victim blaming, but I'm also just saying that all around everybody was just fucking wrong. Well, there's another little reply back to this from Seth. And then Amber replies again. So Seth's reply to that is, Amber, if you would go back and read some of the shit I wrote, I said I was done with you and you should be done with me. Please say something. (laughs) Because when I read that, I said, this little fucking kid. Um, That's why I just gave you that look, because it's, again, agging it on, continuing to talk about it, and, you know, It gets better. It gets better. Oh, boy. Okay. Then he says, Just like when I rode by your brother and Mike's, I didn't say nothing, but you did, so grow the fuck up and leave me the fuck alone. It's to the point where I don't like hearing your fucking name, girl. So be with him, smoke your weed, and leave me out of this. We're So we're going from meth to weed now. Yeah. We're both done talking shit. We both just need to let it all- let all this shit go, and we split. Yeah, it hurt, but I'm over this dumb shit. With me and you, and I just ain't gonna let Mike have his cake and eat it too. I don't work that way, Amber, and you know that. That's his reply. I'm sorry, I'm stumbling reading it. I was it's, gonna say, my It's ha- spelled all fucked up for me to read. And I was gonna tell you, my ha- I respect you for trying to remotely try to read it. Oh, it hurts. <laughs> it really hurts to try to read it. Because I know whenever I saw him spell jump, or jumped... He spelled J. It's spelled J U M T instead of J U M P E D. Yes. So then her reply is, "How are you done with it when you continuously write shit about me, talk shit about me, hate on me, fucking say shit to me, huh? Tell me because I really want to fucking know. Exactly, you're not done with it if you keep bringing my name into shit. So learn the definition on done. She probably shouldn't have said anything. She probably should have let it go." 
But again, she's not necessarily completely in the wrong. She's making a valid point. Just a couple days later, Seth decided to throw another post on there. Mm-hmm. Shit, girl. You think I'm gonna trip over you and you got and you got that shit bent all up because no bitches were tripping over unless you really loved her. But you will always find someone better. So again, he's just kind of jabbing at the bear here. Now, that was April 11th. Six days later is when he got killed. Again, he should not have continued to, you know, aggravate the situation and comment and everything. But then again, also, Amber should not have texted him and lured him over there, knowing that Mike clearly said, hey, I want to kill him. She knew good and damn well what he was planning to do. Yes, yes. So, I I feel like both sides of this story really need to come out. Yeah. I feel like it was agged on more than it was thought. Because in the interrogation, you don't hear any of this. Mm-hmm. This was all stuff that I had to find out in other ways. Yes. So, when they're in, in the interrogation, they finally come clean about things. Justin Soto Roach. Mm-hmm. He acts like he's not there. He knows nothing. Finally, he gets told that, well, you know, everyone's trying to blame it on you. He's like, oh, fuck, really? He's I bet. Like, he's well, like a damn here's canary. what happened. Yeah. So he changed it real quick. And he admitted his parts in it and everything. Uh, Kyle broke down and admitted it pretty fucking quickly. He was the only one, I feel like, of all these people that were truly Someone. remorseful. Like, I really feel like he could have been rehabilitated. And the kid was 16 at the time. Mm-hmm. Granted, I understand Seth will never get to have another birthday. Yes. He will never get to have another Christmas and shit. And I understand that Kyle does. But I also feel like he could have been reformed instead of spending life in prison. I get what you're saying. Because he did show remorse. And it was because of him they got caught. Really? They also. Called him the weakest link in the like within the detectives, and I found that a little fucked up. I was gonna say that's like he's the one telling the truth, but the detective also did thank him for being honest. I was gonna say, yes, even though he's the weakest link. So whenever they all get put back in a room together, so they can kind of chat together, they they start talking like they forget the fucking cameras on. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think they realized there was a camera on, and even when the detective comes back in, she's like, um, "You, you know, are you stupid? We had a camera on." And they act like they knew, but I don't think they did. Yeah, because she kept saying we're not lying, and the detective said, "We heard you because we had yeah. we were recording this, and you did in fact lie." So they're all in there together, and the girls are both just like, "Oh my god, we didn't even do anything to him. We didn't even touch the body." Why are we in trouble for this? And that's what pissed what? me off about Amber because I'm like, because she was the one who continued to say, I didn't do this. I didn't no, do anything. Charlie, the owner of the house. I thought it was Amber who kept saying that. Okay, I'm sorry. The owner of the house, Charlie, was the one that kept on with, I didn't touch the body. I shouldn't be here. All that shit. Oh, okay. I thought that was Amber. No, it was Charlie Ely. Okay. Because I was going to say Amber, but still, she was still trying to say she didn't do shit. Girl, you're yeah. the whole reason why he's there. Yes. Yes. She did try to say she didn't do anything because she didn't physically harm him. He never would have... This never would have happened if you hadn't sent him that text and it's, say, come through. It's all together. It's all together. 
they're sitting there kind of chatting about it and they're like trying to not take responsibility for it themselves but they're also trying to put the blame solely on Mike Bargo. Mm-hmm. This would have never happened if it wasn't for Mike. Mike's the one that pulled the trigger. Da 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 da. So the detective comes in and they pretty much ask what they're, what's going to happen to them. Mm-hmm. And the detective's like, well, y'all are all going to be charged with capital murder. So they're like, oh God, oh God. Charlie starts getting worried and points down at her wrist because her husband's name is tattooed on it. And she's like, oh, he's not going to wait for me. Mm-hmm. Are you not already waiting for him, bitch? If he don't wait for you, he is not worth it. Sex. Plus, this dude, look, it's not on here because this happened in 2013 and this murder and her arrest happened in 2011, Mm -hmm. but her husband in 2013 had the same charge. He reoffended, Sex with an underage. So, look, honey, this is not your guy. No, it's not. It's definitely not. Don't be worried about him waiting on you. You need to just stay with your family in Maryland. You should have never left. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. Now, Amber says, everyone's gonna hate us. There's a 15-year-old kid murdered because of us. And she still tries to blame it all on Mike. Still trying to not take any responsibility for her own actions. I think that's the part that got me. You know, she did say, you know, well, this happened because of us. And then turns right back around and says, but it's all because of Mike's fault. Mike orchestrated this and all this. Mike said, yes, I want to kill this. Kill this kid. And he suggested that he, that she should have contacted Seth. But no way in part in that, that we know of, did she do that under duress. No. She no. willingly did this. Absolutely. So you cannot sit there and say, I didn't and do she, shit And she you did, did try to say at one point that she felt like she had to because she felt like she was in danger. But it was very easy for the detectives just to be like, no, no. You could have gotten out of this at any point. You could have done anything. So that, that didn't work out. And then after they learned that they're going to go to jail and all that, Charlie is 18, and she's freaking out because she's going to actual jail. Mm-hmm. And she mentioned she's going to actual jail. Like, you guys are just going to juvie. I'm going to actual jail. Mm-hmm. Bitch, why? Why? Why are you acting like that? Just just shut up. I mean, all of you guys are going to eventually end up in jail yeah. anyway, so it doesn't fucking matter. Well, the thing that gets me is Amber says, Oh my god, I'm going to be in there for like five years. I'll be 20 before I get out. Do you realize you're going to be a lot older than fucking 20? (laughs) Right. 20 is a drop in the fucking bucket. And even the detective says that. Like, what the fuck? (laughs) I'm going to be 20 before I get out. You're never getting out. No, and Charlie's still worried about her fucking husband leaving her. The whole time she's worried about her husband leaving her. Oh my god, dude. What the fuck? So, basically, that's where their story pretty much ends. Mike Bargo's still gone, right? Right. Okay, but we got the rest of them arrested, right? Yes. Okay, so let's get to Mike Bargo. He's a couple hours away with his other girlfriend, I guess. Yeah, because he got the hell out of Dodge. Yes. The girl's father was James Williams. He was a truck driver. He actually told his boss one night that he had to take the night off to do something important. He had a very strict job, and he had to actually go in to tell his boss that he couldn't come in. Okay, I get it. So, he was actually on his way back home from doing that. He had a whole plan to take Mike to turn himself in. Because Mike had told him 
that he needed to come down and stay with him for a while because they had gotten into a fight at the house and there was this kid that raped his little sister and he shot him. That's about all that was said. Of course, James is like, look, man, I I can't get into any trouble for you. Right. Like, if that's what happened, you need to go turn yourself in. So he talks him into turning himself in. And he was on his way to take him to turn himself in. But when he pulled up, there were flashing lights all around. They had a, The cops are already there. His living girlfriend, Crystal Anderson, had heard the same story. She heard the exact same story. Only after he killed him, he mentioned that they put Seth's ashes in the five-gallon buckets and tossed them over into the quarry. And she was so terrified because it was just her and him at the house. She was so terrified... She tried to call her cousin up across the road, who wasn't even home. And the cops just happened to show up. Uh, yeah, they they were looking for him, and they just happened to show up. But thank God for her. She was scared to death something would happen to her. Or I would be too. her boyfriend, which I guess they were pretty serious at this point. And she was just like, okay, well, I'm, they fully cooperated with the cops. Now, Mike Bargo gets in there, and... You can tell he just has a I don't give a shit attitude. Mm-hmm. Come to find out, he had a black eye and his face was all fucked up. He tried to say that Kyle did all this and he was worried that Kyle was gonna try to kill him and that's why he ran because after he beat the shit out of Seth, he tried to beat the shit out of Mike Bargo and that's why his face was all fucked up. But the reality was... Mike Bargo told one of his cellmates that he threw a paint can into the fire the night he was burning Seth's body and it blew up in his face. Really? Yes. So this kid's making all kinds of shit up and he's talking on the stand like his shit don't stink saying that Kyle was a meth addict and he had a real problem with meth. I mean, he's sitting there. Even when it gets to him and Amber Wright, he's got her initials tattooed on his upper thigh. She's got his ta- his initials tattooed on her pelvic bone, I believe. Okay. Whatever attorney it is is sitting there asking him questions. And he's cocky as fuck sitting up there like, Oh, yeah, well, we got each other's names tattooed, but we weren't in a relationship. No, we were just friends. No, we never had sex. Bullshit. She admitted y'all had sex, yeah, man. Did. And you're on the stand fucking acting like y'all never did anything with her initials tattooed on you and vice versa. And then she even says, like, well, you know, it's in an intimate area. It's in a private area. And he's like, oh, well, I don't know if you'd really call that private. Like, he's just cocky as fuck about it. I'm gonna put some of the clips in here. So... Little douchebag. Yeah. Y'all listen to some of this shit real quick with some of these kids. And you let me know what y'all think. And be honest with me. Totally truthful. Hold your head up. Okay, Sunday night, yeah, Sunday night, Amber and I walked up because her boyfriend, her ex-boyfriend, was Seth, and he, they wanted to work for out, so we met him up. Um, this is Sunday night? Yes, sir. In 58th Court, it was approximately 9.30. So you met him on the corner? Yeah. Okay. They talked. What for, corner did you guys meet him on? I think it's 58th Court. I want to say that's what it is. And who all met there? Me, Amber, and Seth. 
So Seth had called you a few days before. Mm -hmm. You called him back, and what day was that? Um, I think it was Sunday night. Sunday night? It was the night that this all happened. Okay, so you called Seth, and what did Seth say? Well, it started off, I was like, hey, I know you called me the other day, and I didn't answer, but you wanted to make up, so do you want to make up or like try and be friends or something, because I'm sorry for everything. And he was like, yeah, I think that'd be a good idea for the both of us, because we're both tired of fighting with each other. But we just wanted to stop the drama. Okay. So were you guys going to get back together as a couple? No, we were just going to try and be friends. Okay. Because we were friends before we were dating. Okay. We were really close. Okay. And he was like, well, you should walk down here. And I was like, well, if I walk down there, I'm not walking alone because it's too dark. So can my friend Charlie come? Uh-huh. And he was like, sure, I guess. Where was Seth at when he said walk down here? Um, The neighborhood at the end of my road, Bellevue, Bellevue Ridge Estates. Estates. Okay, so Seth was at Bellevue Ridge. Whose house was he at down there? He said something about Brittany. Mm -hmm. Now you're making me think that maybe you had some involvement in all of this. Did you? No, ma'am. Did you have any involvement in any of this? No, ma'am. No? Where'd you get the scratches from on your legs? Vines walking through the woods. Because they were very, very fresh scratches. When did you get those? Yesterday. I was walking through the woods yesterday. Yesterday? Mm-hmm. What woods were you walking through? In... My old neighborhood, where I was going to talk to the dude about the tree job. Okay, what neighborhood is that? It's, it doesn't have a name, it's behind a church, a big church. I know about what you did. I know that you participated. And I want to know exactly what you did so that I don't blame you for something you didn't do. Because everybody else is. All right? Blaming me? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I know what happened to Seth. <sighs> okay? Mm-hmm. So, floor's yours. <sighs> Question is, is Roach going to look out for Roach? Or is Roach going to not look out for him and let him take the fall for anybody else? Well... Since you put it that way, oh. this is what happens since they were. I wasn't involved in that. I don't know what he's talking about. I mean, it might have been between him and Mike, but I don't know. Cal has already, and I'll be honest with you, has implemented you in being involved in knowing or having knowledge to this thing transpiring prior to it happening. But I didn't. This, this what doesn't make sense to me. You're telling me that you, you guys are in this house. You drew out a, a diagram for me yeah. of your house where everybody was sitting at. The C is for? Me. The A is for? Amber. The K is for? Kyle. The S is for? Seth. And then Mike was in his room allegedly, correct? <coughs> okay. Who else was at this house that you did not put in there? Um, Roche was there, but he wasn't there when that happened. Yes, he was. I didn't see him. I really hated Seth. And um, there was time, because my ex-girlfriend, I found him in the bed with my ex-girlfriend. And I really didn't like that. And I loved her. But I really didn't want to go out and kill the kid. It, it wasn't my intention. Um, and he come, um, all right. Mm -hmm. Well, Mike was talking about it. He's like, listen. He's like, I'll do it. And... 
Amber, and believe it or not, Amber wanted it done. Amber don't want nothing to do with him. Amber wanted him dead and gone. He deserved it. Amber, Charlie, no. You can't now. I know you're lying to me. I'm sorry, guys. He's not gonna wait for me. kid murdered because of us. Do you honestly think people want to be around that? Do you think people think there's those kind of people are supposed to be here? Yeah, but it's not our fault. Hell, I don't even like the kind of people. And I'm one of them now. I don't even... And I didn't even do anything. This is the story. You're an adult, correct? Juvenile and juvenile, correct? Am I right? Mm -hmm. You two are under 18 and you're 18. You're all going to be booked with first degree premeditated murder. You two will go to the juvenile assessment center. You, go, you will go to the Marion County Jail. Okay? okay? Uh -huh. Take a deep breath. You'll have no bond. You won't be getting out. How many years? Oh, I, honey, this is not <clears throat> lesson to me. Everybody just take a deep breath. Like, yeah. well, since we really did. No, no, no. See, but you did. But you did. Let's, let, first of all, let's get over that hump right now, okay? That we really didn't do anything because everybody's complicit here. A person died. A person was murdered, okay? We all knew about it. We all planned it. We were all involved in getting it done. So let's, let's hop that hurdle first, okay? Let's man up to the fact that, damn it, this was a pretty heinous crime and we all had something to do with it. Now we got to deal with what happen to us from that okay yeah well it was like the fact like i know i was scared because mike had a gun and oh I was you know scared. what stop it stop it stop it stop it do you think we haven't been listening to everything you guys been saying in here are you, are you that stupid really i know and just stop because i don't, I don't even lying to me just makes me just blech, i hate it i wouldn't lie oh yeah you would you lied about a few things but anyway that's what's gonna happen um it is one step at a time Remember to breathe. That's how we get through stuff like this, okay? But you know what? I will say, you, sir, I have a lot of admiration for because at least you told the truth. I got a hole in that hand, and as you can tell, okay. I'm Detective Blue from American County Sheriff's Office, okay? And I think you know why I'm here to talk to you, okay? Before we talk or anything, I have to advise you of your rights. You understand that? Mm-hmm. Do you understand each of these rights I have explained to you? Yes, sir. 
have his rights in mind. Do you wish to talk to? It says us here, but I'm saying me. Do you wish to talk to me now? Um, I like being the one phone call because I I need to get a hold of somebody. I need to call my lawyer. You want to talk to a lawyer? Is that what you're telling? I mean, me? I, I'll talk to you, but I don't want to call my dad. Hold on a second. You just said you want to talk to a lawyer. Did you want I talk to a lawyer, or do you want to talk to me? I want to clarify that first. I'm talk to a lawyer. So that's that's pretty much it. These kids just lying about all this shit. Again, like I said, I think it's mainly based off of impulse control because they thought that they were adults. They felt like they were adults. But again, obviously, they're kids. They didn't realize the impact of what was going on, even as it was actively happening. Yeah. And they were being, you know, told that they were going to go to jail. And one of them was like, well, it'll be 20 before I get out. And the other one is, you know, talking about, you know, just things about saying that her husband's not going to wait on her. And it's always Mike's fault. But I mean, again, like I said. And he's just so damn cocky, man. None of these kids were under duress whenever they agreed to this. They all decided to do it. They all decided to go off Mike's idea. What about Mike? And I was about to get to him. I mean, he's just on his little ego trip of, you know, just acting like, well, you know, because I think even he called Seth like that kid or something. I want, I may be wrong, but I want to say I think that, he did in the, on the stand. On the stand. Okay. I was going to say, I want to say that this just what he little did. jabs that he could do. And, you know, his body language just came across Very as. Very nonchalant, uncaring. Yes. And it's kind of like. When or what is going to make you understand the severity of this, if it ever does make you understand? I think he may be a true psychopath. I think that if his mom could have succeeded in getting him the help that he needed as a child, it may have been different. Maybe. I feel like he had the potential to be a good person. Yes. But I feel like he just fell down the wrong path, and I don't believe it was his mom's fault whatsoever. Oh, yeah, I I, I think she agree. did everything in her power to help him. Because even whenever she was testifying, and he was watching it... Oh, she was it, torn up. She was, she was obviously really upset, and he was just still looking at her like, well, this bitch is sitting here throwing me up under the bus. That's kind of yeah. like how he kept looking at her. Yeah. It's ridiculous. But to close out with this, I'm going to give you their sentences with the age they were at the time they did this. Okay. So this happened April 17th, 2011. At the time, Charlie Ely was 18 years old. She originally ended up having a life sentence, but it it ended up being reduced to 10 years. It was due to ineffective counsel. Okay. So she fought for that for about eight years, and finally they agreed that she did have ineffective counsel. Okay. And there were a couple little technicalities, I believe, with the, her. Okay, that backed that up. Mm-hmm. So but, she's technically out now, isn't yeah, she? Yeah, she, she is out. She got out, I believe, at the age of 27. Okay. So she Went is out. Went in at 18, got out at 27. Yes. Uh, she got time served for the time that she served while, while she was that was going on. Okay. Justin Soto, or Roach, Roach, he was 20 at the time. He got life. He is currently still in there. Kyle Hooper, he was 16 at the time. He was the only one I truly feel like showed any remorse. He got life. He will never be out. I think it's crazy to think of he is 16 and was sentenced to life in prison. Now, as I said, did he do something wrong? Very, very wrong. He is it was one of the first ones that hit him. And, you know, as you said, he... I, I think it's a fine line between the ages that they are and giving them life in prison. Yes. You know, yes. it's... 
Yes, they did a horrible thing. Yes, they took a life. But they weren't fully developed either. Could they change? That's what needs to be looked at. Could they change? Yes, but I mean... Not everyone does. Not everyone... Look, there's some kids that are six or seven years old that get locked up that never need to be out. I get that. But there are some people, like I believe Kyle Hooper could have been. I don't know about the rest of them. But I feel like he could have come around. Mike Bargo? No, I don't think so. I, I do agree. Um, Amber Wright. She was 15 at the time. She got life in prison. So how about getting out when she was going to be 20? Uh, Sister, it didn't work out for you, huh? No, it didn't, honey. You were in there for a long time. Now, Michael Bargo. The one who actually pulled the trigger. The one who supposedly got the whole thing started, even though Amber Wright's the one who actually got him up there. He was actually 18 at the time. It was 12 days before his 19th birthday. 12 days. Happy birthday. Yes, happy birthday. He actually was the youngest person in Florida out of all 404 on death row. He was the youngest to to ever get the death penalty. Is he still serving time? He is still serving time. He is not dead yet. I actually didn't look into that too much because once I started watching his his, uh, testimonies on YouTube... I started just kind of losing interest in him in general. He is just such a cocky, dumbass motherfucker. I mean, I completely understand that. I mean, and I will say this really quick. To give these kids, like, the life sentences, were they tried as, tried as adults? Yes. They were? That's what I thought. Because, yes. I mean, I will say that Because actions, it was such a heinous crime I, because I was, of everything. That's what it, I thought. It was premeditated. It was tried to be covered up. It was a group of them. It made it a conspiracy. There was a lot. It was a very heinous crime. Okay, that's what I thought. And so, I mean, and therefore... Especially for their ages. And that's why part of me is like, I don't necessarily disagree with them getting life. Because... Right. I mean, they took a life, so therefore it should be equal that they're... You get what I'm saying? Right. And now, there's a little bit you can see later on. I haven't found anything recent with anyone except for Amber Wright. Okay. In Season 2, Episode 2, on Killer Women with Pierce Morgan, Amber Wright did an interview with him. You can actually watch it on Hulu right now if you have Hulu. Uh, I watched it, and it looks like she finally understands the severity of it. I'm going to have to watch that. I don't think that she has any contact with Mike Bargo. She said that she just doesn't even know what to say to him. So, she's thought about it, but she won't talk to him. I wondered that. I wonder if they had had contact with each other Mm -hmm. since this all happened. And she agrees that uh, it wasn't right. She she knows she fucked up. And I think she's starting to see that maybe she did fuck up and deserves what she got. But at the same time, she doesn't feel necessarily like it's all on her. She's still not taking I still feel like she's still trying to push it off. Well, then in that case, I hate to say it, but have fun, Amber. I hope you get comfy. Yeah. Like I said, there's only one that I feel that could have been actually reformed, and that's Kyle. I haven't seen anything about him. I hope he is doing well in prison. I guess that's about the best I could say to him. Make the best of it, man. Uh, Try to be an advocate for other people out there. That's just about the only thing you can do take now. Take something that you, like, take the cards you've been dealt and do, some, do something good with it. Yeah. You know, that's how I feel about it. Yeah. You're stuck there, so make it positive. You, I hope, you know? 
help kids that were your age understand that you can't make stupid decisions that affect your whole life. Right. I mean, there's something you can do, man. But the rest of them, uh, there was an interview with Charlie. She did get out. You know that. She did admit that she felt like she should have never gone to Florida. She felt like she was with the wrong crowd. She should have listened to her aunt and uncle. She knows she fucked up. She was a good kid before that. I do think she fell into the wrong crowd. In a way, I'm glad she got out. But in a way, you were a part of it. I I was going to say that. It's not really fair for you to be the only one out. I completely agree. You did some fucked up shit, too. I, I you let it happen at your house. That's what I was gonna say. It, this she provided the the venue, you know, like the place yeah, for like, this to happen. You could have easily walked out at any time and been like, "Hey, these the kids are my at house. my house." Yes. No, you could just call the cops and be like, "Look, they're at my house. I'm young. I don't know what to do. Like, help me." Instead of going and hiding in her bedroom. Yeah, you. It well, supposedly, I don't think she. They actually were. I think they watched the whole thing. I didn't think about that. Yeah, there's a lot. To watch on it. <sighs> but I, I don't really know what else to say. I mean, do the right fucking thing. Just just do the right thing. What was it that I had said about the little living thing? About, you know, like, love light and, you know, don't kill your friends? Yeah. You know, this time I'm going to say, just clearly, don't set people up. If you break up, if they break up with you, it was for a reason. It's okay. Process another- that loss. There's another out there. Don't continue to egg stuff on and make it worse because you're only going to make it worse on yourself. Yeah. Advocate for mental health because... I feel like a lot of this could have been helped with some mental health. I structure mental health and people may not agree with me, but I do think the medication does help because I'll be honest with you, me as myself as somebody who struggles with mental health, my medication is how I make it through a daily process. But anyway, I believe that you can learn without it. It's but a mixture of both. It has to be a happy medium. There can be a mixture of both. But don't kill anybody. God, don't. Look, when you get mad enough to kill somebody, just go to bed. I don't know. Everybody else seems to, to go to bed. Everybody else seems to go to bed after the fact. Go to bed before you yeah, get Yeah, <laughs> don't, don't ruin your fucking life, man. But if you want to check more into this, which I encourage everyone to. This case is a This is a it, doozy. It is. Like I said, you should watch a couple of these because you might get different stuff out of them like I did. For sure. The Amber Wright interview, Killer Women by, with Pierce Morgan. I already told you about that one on Hulu. There's also Season 1, Episode 2 of Killer Post. That is on Peacock. I think I'll, I might have seen it on ID Channel as well. Okay. But I know it's on Peacock right now. Another one is Season 1, Episode 11 of Sleeping with a Killer. That's on Philo. Philo? 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 I don't know. I don't really know how to say it, but I'm going to say Philo. So, that's one that I don't think I've actually seen, but I do want to watch it, so we'll see about that. Okay. Another thing that I found really interesting, I know I watch a lot of stuff on YouTube, and I use a lot of YouTube for my research, but this right here was how I started the entire thing. I'll just get on YouTube. I'm a loser. What can I say? I come home after work. Me and Tina sit on the bed. We watch YouTube for a while. We eat dinner. I go to bed. I go to work the next Nothing day and repeat. That. That's what I do. So this on YouTube was called When a Teen Killer Realizes She's Been Caught. And it's by Explore With Us. They also go by the Ewoo. 
Ewu. Okay. Yeah, okay. that's where you heard Ewu crew. Okay. So that was a good one. I like that one. He goes into a lot of stuff with psychology behind interrogations. And I've seen a lot of different videos by him. I love them. All of them. They get really entertaining. They really make you think about things. So that is where I actually saw the interviews with them for their interrogations when they first got brought into the police station. Mm -hmm. Okay. They also have Mike Bargo's interview on there whenever he first got brought into the police station. But it was just him coming in being cocky and being like, nah, I want a lawyer. I want to talk to my lawyer. You know, whatever. So that ain't too much to watch. But you can also find his testifying on there for court. I don't remember what it was exactly, but I know it's on YouTube. And you can see him be a little shit up there. Like, he ain't shit. And just a little closing words from Michael Bargo. Whenever the judge sentenced him to death, his words on the way out of the courtroom was, May God have mercy on my soul. Like a true douchebag. Can I just say, I know that he's waiting out his death which he's probably going to die before he actually gets that death so sentence. I hope someone beats shit out of but him. But can I just say that I hope that when it happens that he rests in distress and that all his teeth fall out before he's <laughs> on his death sentence, that... He deserves he, he finds, deserves a little pain. He finds a clump of hair in his food every single day and it is cold as fuck <laughs> and that he never gets to see the sunshine. Well, I don't know if I want to say all that about him, but... I hope he stubs his big toe every day. There you go. That's okay. <laughs> every fucking day. Ooh, that makes I hope you wake up every day and stub your big toe. <laughs> that's what you get, Michael Bargo. <laughs> <laughs> but that that's about it. That's that's the interesting story I had. It ended up being a little longer than I expected. But there was a lot to that. There was a lot of background that I didn't get to hear that I had to really dig for that I think really Pull the story together differently. I completely agree. Because I'm telling you, the first time I heard it, I was like, oh, this poor kid just got jumped by these assholes. Right. It's not quite the whole story. Even though they are still assholes. They are still assholes. But, I mean, he was kind of in the same category. True. So, you know, I ain't saying any of it's right. It was all done wrong. Like I said, both parties are wrong. Yeah, but... That's the story of Seth Jackson. They are also known as the Summerfield Six. Summerfield Six. Yes. Now, something else. I'm going to say this very quickly. I have a problem with us nicknaming, you know, killers or groups of kids that do something. you've been on that ramp. BTK. Be like... Because it gives them this whole mentality of like, ha ha, you know, I that's, got the superior That's name, why we went know. with Cottonmouth Boone. Exactly. Like, it's fuck you and your bullshit, name. you know, like, no. So, yeah, I hope, you know, the rest of them, you know, their teeth fall out and they stub their toes every morning. and, and Until then, food. we'll call them the young, dumb, and gelled six. <laughs> 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 well, minus Charlie, she got out. So five and a half. I hope Charlie... I hope that you turn your life around. And you learn from your mistakes. And I hope you never make those bad mistakes again. Because if not, then you're going to stub your toe too. Yes, absolutely. And I hope you do stub your toe every now and then just to remember not to do stupid shit. The second one beside your big toe. Yeah, that one hurts too. (laughs) But that's about all I've got today. 
Yeah, I mean, oh, I will say, get back on my rant really quick, that, again, keep sending in your show, or I mean, your story recommendations, because, you know. They're great. We're not love them. ever going to turn them away. And send us some listener tales, some experiences that you've went through, something. Something we can just read off. You know, something, like I said last week, of like, makes us say, what the fuck, did you see this? Or, yeah. you know, something paranormal, or something of a true crime, or just something. I mean, it could even make something like, you want to make our day brighter. I mean, who the hell knows? It could be but, anything. You could send us a little itty bitty phrase and if you want us to say it, we'll say it. And I didn't think about this, but of course, you know, our social medias, that's one way to get us. But also our lovely email, which, Shelby, what is our email? Allthingsmacabre.pod at gmail.com. And what was that? It's one... Allthingsmacabrepod. Oh, shit. <laughs> Allthingsmacabre.pod at gmail.com. <laughs> I just love to make you say I it. I fucking love it. <laughs> But until then, we hope that you don't stub your toe. But yeah, but you can absolutely uh, leave us a five star rating. Do that, yes, or a comment or something. Let us know what's up. If if you don't, maybe you can stub your toe once or twice, <laughs> just once or twice. Yeah, because yeah, we a lot. do like to interact. You know, we we're whenever we get something, I I'll send it to Shelby, oh, I love getting or she'll stuff. send it to me, and we'll be like, "Did you see this? Did you see what this person said?" Yeah, it's pretty awesome. And so, please do that. Please continue to do that because we will reply or we'll give you a shout out or something. Yeah, like we've got some pretty consistent people talking to us, and we really enjoy it. And there's one that has been pretty consistent with us that we haven't given a shout-out to. No, you're right. I'm sorry. I lied. So, I'm going to make sure I say it right, because I know so many people have said it wrong. Andrea, we miss you out there. We do. We We do. So, Andy, thank you for being such a big fan. We do see you, and that's why we got the set pictures for you. <laughs> we got the set pictures, and you we know, hear you. We see you. The out hashtags. There. I love the hashtags. Yes, and you know she's definitely she needs a t-shirt too. You know for the macabre mob. Whenever because, we you know, get t-shirts, we, you're definitely gonna get one. We'll have to get your address. We'll have to get in touch with you. <laughs> but we do miss you. We really we do. do. We do. But yes, everybody continue to reach out to us, interact with us, tell us what you think about this story. I think Shelby did a really good job. I enjoyed this one. It was hard for me. I mean, I didn't enjoy it. I enjoyed, I don't even know how to say it. I enjoyed finding all the twists into it and, and digging into it. Not hearing just the basic what you see on TV. You gave the whole perspective. You told the story as it needed to do. That's what I enjoyed. I enjoyed exposing more. There you go. There we go. Our little researcher. (laughs) I enjoy it. (laughs) But until then, you know, like I said, interact with us. Or, you know, as Shelby said, you may stub your toe once or twice. Maybe once or twice. But in that sense, enjoy everybody. Don't kill your friends. Don't make irrational decisions. And we will see you next week with some... I have some... I have an interesting one. I'm not going to give it away just yet because, you know, I got to get my life together. But Well, for uh, February, I've got a very interesting one coming up. Yes. For Black History Month, I want to do Emmett Till. I'm excited about that one. Part of that is because I have a special tie to him through my casket factory. You'll have to save that because, you know, we got to have the people coming back. Yes, yes. But we're going to actually, you know, like I said, I got one more story to kind of go along with our theme. And then Emmett Till is going to finish us off with our theme that we've yes, got going on. Yes, and that theme is Do the Right Thing. And I believe we're actually going to finish that theme out with a very nice poem. Yes, an inspirational poem, too. Yes, at the end of Emmett Till, I believe. 
Yes. And so that's the end of our rant, guys. And But until then, we'll see you next week. Comment on us or, you know, you're going to stub your toe. So the goal yeah. is don't stub your toe. You just do the right thing. <laughs> Bye, guys. See ya. All research is done by Shelby Hudgens, Courtney Pilant, and Tina Collins. A special thanks to Tina Collins for managing us, and we are a lot to manage. All social media is linked in the description below. Be sure to follow us, and don't forget to leave a rating on wherever you get your podcast. If you have an interesting topic that you'd like to hear on our podcast, please email it to allthingsmacabre.pod at gmail.com. That's M-A-C-A-B-R-E. Did this episode make you say, What the fuck?